What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 150 of the VK Bros. With me, Jason Opa. Von Cannell, and my bro, Alex Von Cannell. Congratulations on the 150 weeks in a row, brother. That's a lot. That's a lot of episodes, right? 150? It is. We did it. It is a lot. Yeah, we got there. We got there. Uh, and I do need to give you a special shout out because I have not shown up more often than you for through sickness and those sorts of things. So thank you very much for your efforts to keep right. the show running for 150 weeks straight. Um, oh, guys, we've got... Thank you. You still had to get them all up. You had, you had to physically get them up. So True. Congratulations. Yeah. So, uh, guys... Oh, we've got... we're on the hunt. Sorry, we're on the hunt. We're on the hunt for uh, ABC spot. Oh, ABC yeah. radio spot. Because our last episode, like, was almost 600. It was, like, 560 or 570 uh, views on, on Rumble. Mm-hmm. And ABC uh, Radio only does 1,000, uh, has 1,000 listeners. So yep. we just want to get to that. We All to get we to want ABC. to do, yeah, all we want to do is match ABC Radio, who gets 1.1, or oh, sorry, ABC in total gets $1.1 billion a year in government funding. And one of the radio shows only gets a thousand listeners, so we just want to match ABC, and we ain't that far off. So thank everyone for <laughs> and their we support. are doing it for free. Yeah, and look, I want to give a shout out to Rumble too. I I put a post up mm. on Twitter the other day because we've had a, a massive uplift in the amount of viewers that we get every Monday. Uh, we've gone from averaging sort of fifty to seventy to five hundred a week, and that's in a pretty short period of time. And this is the sort of generic genuine growth that channels should experience over a long enough period of time uh, as obviously as long as the content's good so it's nice to be on a platform that actually supports the channel and wants us to do well unless and put in the comments are you a government agent and if you're a government agent watching our content put it in the comments say hi yeah uh, tell subscribe. us what, uh, what yeah hit the subscribe button please yeah I did see, I did see, and look, I'm going to tell everyone what uh, we're going to be getting into today, but I did see an article. No, let me do something else first. Just no, 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 quickly, quickly on this point. I did see an article during the week. It wasn't an article, it was a post by uh, Jared Rennick about the fact that in the latest, I don't know if it was an estimates hearing or something like that, but in Queensland, the numbers of police officers have Mm. dropped by about 73 odd uh, officers but the number of members of Anastasia Palaszczuk's media team has increased by about 90-something people. So all 90 of you, please subscribe to the channel, like, leave us a comment below. I don't mind if you tell us about how you want our Rumble to cancel our channel or whatever. Leave all the comments. (laughs) It just helps us out in the algo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Just quickly, we were were talking before we started about power there was like a bunch of electricity stuff that was going around yeah and um uh one of the guys at work was telling me he did you receive the email from your power supply saying that there was going to be a big kick to your a yeah big, big um, increase in uh, power prices. Your prices yeah yeah like 50 percent, something mental so mine it, i my current uh cents per kilowatt hour is going from 22 cents up to about 30 cents per kilowatt hour yeah so he read on he read the whole document plus followed some of the links because it talked about like to 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 see what sort of savings you can make click here yeah and the one saving they could do is you can finance solar panels and a battery through the energy company 
but he read all the terms and conditions and there was some interesting stuff in there. Uh, mainly, there was no change to the rate, right? Yeah. Uh, so you still pay the same rate. Obviously, you're going to pay less because you're having your power reduced because you're generating your own. That yep. that kind of makes sense. Uh, they want you to finance it through them. I think it's a seven-year term. There's a bit of a, a government kicker in there yep. to help reduce that cost, but no doubt would just be completely absorbed and given to the company providing it. Yeah, they would just increase the prices of their solar panels. Yeah, but the most interesting thing that he, he pulled out of it... No rebate? ...is that there is... It's worse than that. So you get no uh, feed-in tariff. Yep. And the company is allowed to use the power in your battery up to 20% capacity. So uh, uh, leaving you 20% so they can use 80% of your capacity no more than 20 times per year, which means once a fortnight, they can drain your battery for free. And sell it to next door. Sell it to next door. For 33 yep. cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah. Yep. They're Genius. just scumbags. What a man. beautiful move. Yeah, beautiful. I, I got that email from Origin and I just sent them an email back saying, um, I note that you have, uh, I note that you have increased the price of energy per kilowatt hour due to the uh, market factors increasing the value of energy and yet you have not increased my solar feed-in tariff to the same degree. Yep. Uh, I And then I just said, look, because I only get five cents feed-in. It's terrible. Yeah. So I said, I've, I've seen solar feed-in tariffs of up to 14 cents in the market. Please come back to me and match this offer. Otherwise, I'll be forced to go and uh, look elsewhere. And I got an email back saying, oh, like, you know, want to help you out. Uh, just need to confirm your details. So, like, I literally responded to their email. It's got all my account details on it. So I confirm yeah. my details. And then I get a another email back saying, Hi there, I'm unable to increase the feed-in rates over email. You may be able to get a better offer over the phone with our team. So, and then tells me to call them. So what this means is that now, because they're making it difficult for me, I'm going to be the most difficult customer they can possibly yeah. deal with. Good. Because I'm at home, bruh. I got time. Yeah, I got time. Yeah, yeah. I will call these people every single day and I will take yeah. up all their time and I will still probably end up switching my provider at the end anyway, unless they come back to me with a ridiculously good offer. So yeah. there you go, guys. If you run a business, uh, treat your customers well and don't give them bullshit like that and uh, otherwise they'll, they'll waste your time and go elsewhere. Anyway. I'm going to guess I'm going to guess you will be on hold for 52 minutes before you speak to someone. Probably. So then I'll just start um, sending emails about uh, speaking to ombudsmans, about uh, putting up negative posts on their social media, <laughs> all those sorts of gems. Um, so, but guys, this week there's there's been heaps going on. Obviously, we are celebrating our 150th episode straight, so that's a big deal for us. Uh, there has been new reporting come out from American journalist Michael Schellenberger this week about Facebook's fact-checking, which is particularly interesting because it also ties into some new evidence that has just been released in Australia uh, due to freedom of information requests uh, about the Department of Home Affairs actively attempting to censor sitting MPs during the pandemic. So, Craig Kelly's put some stuff up about him. You guys might remember from a few weeks ago on the show, we played the clip of Malcolm Roberts asking the head of Department of Home Affairs in Senate estimates 
had they censored any uh, sitting MPs? And he said that he would be uh, surprised if they did and very disappointed if they did too. And it appears there is a lot of evidence that is coming out that they have actually done that. Um, obviously, we want to go through our competition winners. We had a competition during the week, uh, about 150th episode. And also, um, two other big things have happened this week, which are both kind of linked together as well in a way. The first one is Andrew Tate's first big interview, well, since his interview on the BBC, on the PBD podcast. Uh, it's five hours long, or just, just under five hours long. Fascinating to listen to but there's some key things in that that I want to show you guys this week because it's really really important stuff and also uh, Queensland has just approved our new a new gender bill which allows people to change your sex and your name on your birth certificate without any surgeries so we want to go through that and the potential implications of that uh, so let's get started. So let's go straight to uh, Michael Schellenberger's report, if you can, Alex. If you can pull that up, Alex. Okay. So uh, this is the article here. So he, he has a tweet about it. So in February 2020, after a New York Post op-ed said COVID-19 came from a lab leak, Facebook censored the story. Why? Because, in quotes, independent fact-checkers said it was false information. Oops. Not only... Sorry. You're right. uh, not only was it true information one of the fact checkers had worked at the lab so that's obviously kind of a big deal uh, do you want to go into the actual article itself Al? and I need to go Stop. here we go alright just scroll here we go Okay, so way back on February 23, the Post ran an opinion piece by Stephen Mosher saying that we couldn't trust China's story about the origins of COVID-19. He argued that the virus might have, might have jumped to the human population thanks to errors at a Chinese laboratory in Wuhan rather than via that city's notorious wet market. The piece was widely read online until Facebook stepped in. The social media giant's fact-checkers decided this was not a valid opinion. If you tried to share Mosh's column on Facebook, the social network stuck a false information alert on top, saying that finding uh, was checked by independent fact-checkers and preventing your friends from clicking to connect to the original article to see for themselves. Again, this was an opinion column, not a news report. Mosha cited a host of suggestive facts, including urgent government directives, the sudden trip of China's top biowar expert to Wuhan, and that nation's shoddy record of lab safety, as well as gaping holes in the wet market explanations, such as the fact that the market in question doesn't sell bats, the animal from which the bug supposedly jumped. How exactly did Facebook determine that Mosha's reasoned arguments constituted false information? Well, in fact, it didn't so determine. Rather... It was an independent fact-checker. And who did this fact-checker rely on for their opinion? As reporter Cheryl uh, Atkinson notes, one expert consulted had a clear conflict of interest. She has regularly worked with Wuhan's researchers and even done her own experiments there. Danielle E. Anderson, assistant professor of uh, Duke NUS Medical School in Singapore, personally attested to the lab's strict control and containment measures. 
Anderson did admit, however, that Mosher was correct when he mentioned that SARS did twice escape a Beijing research lab in 2004. Nice! Scrolling down. The other expert who weighed in noted in her objection, in quotes, any responsible government would strengthen safety and security procedures in high containment labs that will and should be working with the novel coronavirus to develop countermeasures and diagnostics, end quote. Well, yes, any responsible government would. Because these medical researchers took offence that someone would question the Wuhan lab's protocols, Facebook decided you weren't allowed to speculate online. Nearly two months later, of course, Mosher isn't alone in his opinion. This week brought hard news in the form of State Department cables from January 2018, showing that the US government had long-standing grave concerns about safety protocols at the Wuhan lab, China's only level 4 biohazard laboratory. The New York Post has asked for weeks to get Facebook to unblock the Mosher article. On Friday, the social network finally did so, though without acknowledging that it had been wrong all along. As a significant source of news for much of the world's population, Facebook has a clear responsibility to do better. If it's going to block false information, it needs better fact-checkers and more people watching over those watchmen. When your defense against fake news all but kills free discussion, your system is worse than no defense at all. So, this... This is interesting. There was another clip that came out recently, and we don't have it, but it was of Mark Zuckerberg... um, talking about how uh, censoring some of the COVID information was really difficult because uh, some some of the uh, officials and the experts sort of flip-flopped on some of the information. And then he's like, some people, you know, it was just opinion. So should we really censor people for just being wrong? Uh, this is why there should have been no censorship at all yeah, in absolutely. the first place. They, yeah, they had no idea. They had yeah. no idea. Well, they... they they either did know and had to push an agenda or they're completely inept. Yeah. I, I, I don't the, think it's... Well, the issue is that every single time something gets fact-checked or um, labelled as false or misinformation, it all seems to benefit big companies that have the same investors as Meta. Just a coincidence. True. True. And as we've gone through and we've done heaps of these analysis before on these fact checks they're all, all the fact checks are bullshit like they're not even solid fact checks yeah and have, as he said had clear conflict of interest as well mm. so back to Schellenberger so 10 months later Facebook uh, sorry you've just scrolled away uh, Facebook and Twitter censored the New York Post for another accurate article this time about Hunter Biden's laptop uh and then says, and yet, within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censored the New York Post article, preventing it from spreading, and more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? Uh, as such, the New York Post, which reporters, uh, New York Times and Washington Post sneer at for being a tabloid, got two of the biggest stories of 2020 right, while the Times and the Post, which called the lab leak a racist and debunked conspiracy theory, got it horribly wrong. Twitter and Facebook execs sided with media that confirmed their partisan assumptions rather than allow the debate to occur. And Facebook continues its ideologically one-sided censorship today, censoring a reasonable debate over who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, Don't need to really read that. We've we've been through that before. That was the article about... um... This is the bit I like. Yeah. 
So Facebook censored me, as in Michael Schellenberger, in 2020 after I accurately said natural disasters were getting better, not worse, resulting in fewer deaths and causing less economic damage when accounting for more wealth in harm's way than they had in the past. So his tweet from July 8th, 2020 said, I've been censored by Facebook for telling the truth about climate change and species extinction. I formally requested an investigation by CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Please share this to indicate your support for scientific integrity and free speech. Scrolling down, uh, here's the data showing declining disasters as a result of fewer deaths and declining costs from extreme weather events. This data is uncontroversial and uncontested, and yet Facebook continues to censor me for sharing this accurate information. Now, as this we... This is the juicy part. Uh, yeah. Uh, nearly 5 million people on Twitter have seen, and nearly 7,000 have shared, our bombshell exclusive yesterday. Just five people... Five, not five million, not 5,000, shared our bombshell exclusive on Facebook. Facebook operates blacklists and engages in partisan ideological censorship. Can I just say, what's weird to me about the Facebook thing, I find it weird that Facebook has an open policy when it terms, like they don't, they try not to keep any secrets. So someone, when they have leaks all the time because it's actually not, a, they don't have company policy that says you have to keep all that stuff in house. Right. They're quite happy for you to send it. Like they're trying to stay open and transparent. Yep. I don't know why more whistleblowers haven't come out. Like, are they that captured? Are, are they these Silicon Valley guys so captured that everyone has this one ideology? I, yeah, I, I think that's the problem. I think that, I mean, uh, Silicon Valley and all the tech companies are massively left-leaning, like very massively left-leaning. And the problem is too, is that our world has become so uh, divided that it's it's literally your side needs to win at all costs because the other side yeah. is evil. And like you saw that with Sam Harris, like that famous interview uh, where he was saying that uh, when like it didn't matter that the Russia collusion story for Donald Trump was a hoax, he had to go down, and anyway he went down, he was happy with. And it's like, but if you would have if you applied that to anyone on the left, they would never accept that because they just have a like it yeah, is yeah, it's yeah. just ideology. It's it's nothing but utter ideology. Um, but the problem is too is it's like the staff members that carry out all of these functions at places like Facebook and Instagram they're the ones who are ideologically captured uh, captured. however the big dogs like your Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and the high ranking execs they're not ideologically captured they're captured by capitalism and you guys may have seen uh, in, in the press recently everything about like ESG scores and um is that Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, was uh, being interviewed recently and he was talking about ESG. And he was like, yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, consumers' behaviours need to change and at BlackRock, we are forcing that change and companies need to force that change on their consumers. 54% women they want, 54%. They want as, as employees? Yep. Yeah, interesting. That's the target. He said that in that same speech. Yeah. So so, so this is the thing, and um, if, this is probably enough from Schellenberger at the moment, uh, because it sort of, it, it illustrates the point enough. It is not a coincidence that all of those stories that he was talking about, the censorship favoured the left side of politics in the United States. So you obviously had the, the Biden administration's been in charge since 
obviously um, the vaccine rollout began, all those sorts of things. So you had all of the censorship on Facebook and Instagram around COVID, which all benefited the big pharma companies that were selling the vaccines and selling the antivirals, et cetera, et cetera. So you had that. The Nord Stream pipeline, censoring that obviously benefits the American government, which was clearly involved in destroying that pipeline because as we previously reported, they went and filled the gap in the European gas marketplace and are selling the same natural gas that Europe was getting for four times more than what they were paying Russia for it beforehand. And Biden also said that he was going to get rid of it. Yeah, that's right. Like there's literally videos (laughs) of it. You can just Google it if you you want to and it'll be on YouTube. Um, Then you had obviously the Ukraine war itself, all the censorship about that sort of stuff. That clearly benefits the military industrial complex in you know, all the weapons that are being purchased and sent. And then you hear all these stories about how how much ammunition Ukraine's going through and it's a ridiculous amount a day. And you go, okay, so are we literally just sending them all of that stuff for them to shoot it into a mountainside so then they can ask for more weapons because then more money gets sent through them? Like, it is every single time this censorship occurs... It is helping one side of the political divide, which just so happens to be the most closely aligned with all the corporations that are that are actually benefiting from that as well. Which is weird. It, it, again, it, I think I've said this on the show before, but I find it strange that Republicans tend to be the ones sided with big business. But it just seems like it's the complete opposite now. It seems like the Democrats are absolutely in bed with big business. Yeah, and this is... This is okay. This is an interesting concept because one of the things that I've been really, really concerned about for so long is at the end of the day, both the the left side of politics and the right side of politics have their problems. Neither are perfect, and thinking that one or the other is going to be the hero and going to come in and save the day when they're in an opposition saying the right things is also foolish. Like I literally yeah. had a had a bit of a debate with someone on a on a YouTube video during the week who someone had made a comment it was a, a, about so the the video itself was just an estimates hearing and it was a, a liberal person talking about the fact that in Australia since the Albanese government has taken over the average family of four has had to find an additional $22,000 per year in increased costs and she went through all of Albanese's uh, election campaign promises which was like you know he promised to reduce energy bills Trump promised to uh, decrease cost of living promised blah 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 and this like I, I put a post up about this sort of thing the other day because when you went into the comments everyone it was it was a whole bunch of whataboutism oh but the previous government did blah blah blah, blah. And, and I just made the comment I just said until everyone realises that both Labor and the LNP duopoly no longer govern for the good of their people and start actually putting pressure on them by voting for alternatives and minor parties and independents, like, nothing will ever change. But mm-hmm. but just accepting the the lies from the current sitting government because the last government lied to you too, that's not, that's not acceptable. But, South but that's, Park had it right. South yeah, Park had it right. Hundred percent. Who do you vote for? Either a douchebag or a turd or sandwich. A turd sandwich. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. So I got into a debate with this guy, and I just said like, and because he's like, oh, well, there's no better alternatives anyway. And I said that's a really defeatist attitude. All you really want to do 
is put pressure on these people for them to actually think there's a there's a real legitimate chance they might lose their job because at the moment if if a let's say labor's in charge now if the labor government gets voted out all these people know is that they're going to sit on the back bench for three years and then the then the pendulum's going to swing back towards them and they'll get voted back in yeah, again yeah. that's all that's going to happen yeah it's a game to yeah. them so that's why they don't govern for us anymore but the thing is Everyone knows that people on like the right side of politics, so let's say it's liberals in, in Australia and the Republicans in America, everyone closely associates those political parties and political movements with corporations. And they go, they're all captured by their big business donors. And to a degree, that is correct. That's mm. where the majority of their uh, money comes from, is cash rich, don't, like, like corporate donors. Yep. The, the, the biggest issue I have with the left side of politics is that they are now like you said also closely aligned with those businesses and corporations but they pretend that they're not and instead of like everybody know everybody associates republicans and liberal national party with big business everyone associates that but then what what say labor does for example like what we're going through in australia what are we spending all our money on at the moment well, okay, you've got the renewable energy uh, targeting that we're going towards. So I, I just sent Alex a, it was a little article from 7 News talking about how in Victoria, uh, there's a new uh, battery facility that is going to be apparently the spearhead of Victoria's green energy revolution. But the facility itself costs $150 million dollars and it's only going to be able to power 75,000 households for one hour. And that's if you can fill the battery beforehand if there's enough sunlight or enough wind, right? So I can also thing- tell you another dud. I, can, I, I, I spoke to a Queensland police officer who told me that uh, they, are, they have been offered unlimited amounts of overtime yep. to go out to, I think it's like Warwick or something around there where they're building solar panels. Right. And you can run effectively private security and you get paid a thousand bucks a day. Wow. Yeah. As a Queensland police officer. And and again, this goes back to like most of those police officers are probably members of the unions. They're quite happy to do so. Their union fees, then a portion of that directly goes back to the Labor government. But But... To get back to my point, this is this is the insidious nature of the left side of politics because these projects, like the green energy so-called revolution, look at your power bills now. The fact that they are already closing down coal-fired power stations to power through this green energy uh, revolution when we are already in a massive cost of living crisis shows that they don't actually care about the people. All they care about is getting this new technology in place. And it's costing however many hundreds of billions of dollars to do this to then lower our quality of life. And who benefits from that? The businesses that are invested in the green energy tech. That's a massive corporation and and essentially a new uh, market which has just sprung up overnight, which is now being almost solely funded by taxpayer money. But public they can't, private partnership. Yeah, but the left side of politics comes out and pulls on everyone's heartstrings and talks about climate change and disadvantaged communities and blah, 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 when all they're doing is padding the pockets exactly the same as the right side of politics does. 
but it's so insidious from the left because they pretend that they're not doing it and they pull on your mm-hmm. emotions to get the exact same result. Yeah, we need to get someone else in. Uh, and then we need to get we need to knock these these two parties out. I was so disappointed the last election that I I was happy that the libs are out. I was unhappy with how strong Labor was. I was not expecting them to be to to win at that margin. Yeah. And I thought some of these inv- I mean the Greens I guess the Greens have done what we wanted someone else to do, <laughs> right? Well, uh, yeah. And you can tell, that to, to, to your point, you can tell that Labor is in, in uh, has people in their pockets because even the Greens are outraged by stuff. They're like, no, 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 you're, like, you're not trying hard enough. Like, you're, mm. you're, you're pandering to some people and we don't like it, yeah, whether yeah. you agree with their policies or not, you know, but... Uh, yeah, we need to get them out. We need to get but, them out. But the issue too is that the the success of the Greens largely comes even more on the back of the emotional blackmail that they have put, um, perpetrated oh, on people to get them to vote them in. And this is the issue is that, like, all, if you actually go and look at the Greens' like policies and stuff, and we went through it pre-election, you would never in a million years let the Greens run a country because they would just yeah. run it into the ground. Because they yeah. want to have all the money in the world to put towards uh, sugar-coated, touchy-feely subjects, and yet they don't actually know how to generate any of the income. Like, uh, the Labor government in, in Queensland is the biggest example of hypocrisy because all they talk about is how they're powering into this green energy revolution. I encourage all of you, go and Google what all of the Queensland solar farm projects look like. They are bulldozing hectare upon hectare of forests and uh, bushland to put up giant flat, uh, like, kilometres wide of solar panels. Do not pretend that that's better for the environment. That is a fucking joke. And the worst thing is, the only thing propping up Queensland's economy at the moment is the mining sector exporting coal. That's the only reason why we've got any money is because we yeah. still export coal that we are demonizing in our own country. So you're, what you're saying is right. We need to get these people out. But really what we need is this, just a bit of competition. You need, like the biggest problem with Queensland is there is no lower house, which means if the Labor government has a majority in the upper house, there is no safeguard mechanism they can get through whatever they want. And the bill that we'll talk about later is a perfect example of that. But if you can vote in enough rational independence or people like One Nations or your United Australia Party guys, if you can vote enough of those people in, just maybe they'll be able to stop some of the blatant rot that we are experiencing now. Mm. Just maybe. Um, and speaking anyway. of... Yeah, so moving on to the next bit. So Craig Kelly, now I have the evidence... The Department of Health sought to censor elected Member of Parliament's criticism of government policy. A Freedom of Information release has confirmed what I always suspected. The Morrison government, through the Department of Health and possibly others, attempted to censor my Twitter account, an account in my name as an elected Member of Parliament criticising the government. So just a note on that. Don't, don't forget, guys, we live in a thing called a representative democracy. So when you vote in a member of parliament, you have, they are supposed to be your voice into, in the government. And the, the sitting government sought to censor your voice because it spoke against their narrative. No wonder Greg Hunt, the Minister for Health, couldn't look me in the eye in the corridors. 
After being censored by Facebook, I was very careful what I posted to Twitter, self-censoring my comments. But that didn't stop the Department of Health from falsely claiming uh, uh, my criticism of the New South Wales Premier was misinformation. And even Twitter, before Musk took over, rejected the Department of Health's claim and request to censor me. This freedom of information demonstrates that the Department of Health is a corrupted and discredited organisation that sought to undermine Australia's democracy. You haven't heard the last of this. Now, it's got an email. I'm not going to read it out, but basically it is just a it is an email from the Department of Health to Twitter support saying, like, copied and pasted one of Craig Kelly's tweets in saying, can you look at this to have it pulled down? Uh, since I saw this one, I sent this to Alex a few days ago, there's been a lot more of these that have come out and a lot more other MPs that have been censored. George Christensen was one of them as well. So now, again, it's all starting to come out. So this is the issue with the programming everyone received during COVID. That's a loud car in the background, Alex. Bike. Oh, bike, there you go. So remember how during during COVID, everything that we heard all the time was the consensus says this, the consensus says that. It's the consensus. Everyone agrees. Well, no, they didn't because our government at the time was censoring even M- like members of parliament on social media. And this goes toward what, what Alex, I think, wanted to bring up about blacklisted social media accounts. So obviously Craig Kelly's account was on the blacklist. George Christensen's account was on the blacklist. Our accounts were on the blacklist and are still on the blacklist now. And you can clearly see that in the analytics. So um, for example, we had our competition during the week. So I put up a post during the week on the Instagram uh, saying, help us out to celebrate our 150th uh, straight episode of the podcast. Help us celebrate by DMing us something funny you have done for 150 weeks straight. Best answers will be read on the show. Top three win 150 sats in their crypto wallets. Juicy, juicy prize. And if you actually go into the insights of that, uh, that post has... So you've got to think, we've been doing the podcast for almost three years. Our social media accounts have been uh, have been active for almost three years, posting at least two to three times a week. Uh, stopped posting for a little bit when we started getting more censored, but uh, in recent times, been posting more and more. That post has only reached 44 accounts, all of which are current followers, none are non-followers, even though it has hashtags on it to obviously spread it out into like the search function. So we are we are one, clearly one of those blacklisted accounts. And that's why we haven't experienced any growth in our social media. But look at Rumble. Rumble doesn't have this sort of censorship. Rumble yeah. just uh, supports the content that people want to view. And our viewers were a bit of a slow burn at the beginning. But I think we've hit some sort of critical metric now where enough people come back to the content and look what's happening. We've gone... We ten xed in our viewership in a month. Just to just to reiterate the Facebook thing. So, what those analytics should we're not saying we should have thousands of impressions. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that it should reach at least outside the people that follow us, at yeah. least by one, right? Yeah. To have zero, uh, zero outside of who follows us that's not how the algorithm is supposed to work that's right the the algorithm is supposed to find it's supposed to gather more people that would be interested in your type of thing and show mm-hmm. it but it, it's clear that it's one for one for how many uh, people are on so our system is blacklisted now our test that we wanted to run that we spoke about last week 
this is that test. That test was let's put something up that doesn't upset anyone. Yeah. And it, it it had nothing in there that was it had none of the naughty words in it. Mm-hmm. And it did. We can now definitively say, well, we're just flat out blacklisted. No matter what That's we right. put up, we're going to get nothing. And and uh, again, like we spoke about last week, if we were a pedophile account, we would have so much more reach. Be on Instagram. Context around that. Well, we spoke about on the podcast last week. Yeah. Instagram actively boosted pedophile accounts. To, like there is a thriving pedophile community on Instagram because the algorithm is actually supporting it. Now yeah. again, again, when we when we wonder, like ponder the reasons why, as I said last week, cracking down on pedophiles costs you money. So I think that they didn't want to do the investment. And what is the end result of that crackdown? Well, there's less users on your platform to sell ads to. So there's probably a, it's a financial detriment for Instagram to crack down on those people. But accounts that post about COVID, well, there's the financial benefit to the major investors of Instagram and Facebook and Meta because they're also invested in Pfizer and your Moderna's and your AstraZeneca's and Johnson and Johnson's. So it's all about money at the end of the day. And they can claim as much as they want that they're just trying to do it for everyone's good and blah, blah, blah. But even Zuckerberg, like I said before, coming out this week and going, oh, uh, should we censor an opinion just because it's wrong? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, we should... Absolutely- Surely that's answered your question. Don't. Yeah, 100%. And in a democracy... But I wonder what would happen, though. Picture this. What would happen if a government reached out to a big tech company and a big, co- big tech company said, no. I wonder what would happen. Well, we, we're sort of starting to see cases of this, especially with Twitter and Rumble, uh, sort of around the world. Like, Elon Musk is being heavily criticised because the Turkish government reached out to him before their recent election and asked him to censor posts on the election because they didn't want, in quotes, election interference. And... All these people are now coming out, like especially people on the left, coming out criticizing Musk, going, "He said he's a free speech absolutist, but he he censored these posts as soon as the government told him to." And and Elon's just gone, "What do you what do you expect me to do? If I don't censor it, they'll ban the entire platform in that country. So the net good that you might get on Twitter from other subjects they haven't asked to be censored then also gets removed." Like, what do you want me to do? And that's that's the really tricky thing, is that these platforms do, unfortunately, have to play to the rules of the jurisdictions that they sell their products in. But in saying that, we can see from the Australian experiment, the, the Australian government was very sneaky in how they got things censored because they never said, take this down. They said, oh, we think you should have a look at this. Doesn't this violate your terms of service? I'm sure they had lawyers look at this before and say, this is how we go about getting these down. For sure. And, and the platforms... and I also wonder, I also wonder what is happening in the background in terms of digital security or, or what law changes are happening around, like how they're going to change it so they don't have to do that in the future. Well, like, like I was about to say, uh, I'm pretty sure these platforms see the writing on the wall. We either comply with these small yet limit, like limited requests from the government now, or a lot of these governments will just change their laws to ban our platforms. So if we want to actually sell products in these countries, 
we we need to play ball. I need to have a look into that Nostra. Nostra's the yep. new the new thing, a decentralized. Uh, I'll have a look. I'll have a look and report back. So Jack Dorsey's been doing another uh, round uh, round all the podcasts about it. He's big on it. He's talking about free speech. He's talking about how like, and I think he's now seen to how governments pressured people to do things that they shouldn't have done. Yeah. And I guess there is a technological solution to that, which is massive decentralization. Mm-hmm. If there's nowhere to go to moderate, then you can't moderate it. Yeah, and... I'll do a report. I'll have a look. I'll do yeah, a report. Yeah, ha- have a look into week. it. But this this whole this whole thing is... Something's got to give at the end of the day. And I think Rumble's current success and Twitter's current success is an example and probably an indicator of where the people like where they think because Twitter is going from strength to strength. Like the mainstream media reports that you hear about Twitter is that it's not going well. It's, it's Mm. going very, very well. And the other platforms like this, like what we discussed at the end of last week's podcast, the other platforms are now concerned. Now, you know, YouTube is concerned about the long-form video that's available on Twitter. They're concerned about the current success of Rumble. Rumble put a post up on Twitter. Rumble's up 20%. Yeah, because their technology is coming along really well. They had, I think it was um, Andrew Tate's show yesterday, had 457,000 people live streaming it at the same time, and they had no tech issues. Like Twitter. Well, well, yeah, but... But like that's the thing, they're investing and they're and they're doing extremely well. And the fact that Rumble has four hundred fifty seven thousand people watching one show all at the same time shows you that their their network is building. More people are going to that platform. Mm. So people are voting with their feet, and this is where how the free market is supposed to work. The concern that we've had is over the last three three years, the market has been anything but free. However, the cracks have appeared now. And everyone just, you actually, now is a time to take a stand on things and vote with your money and and your attention. Like you have to get out of your, your natural habits if you don't agree with what's going on at the moment. You have to turn off the news. Like the news is just misleading you every single day to sell you something you don't need. Turn it off. I just noticed I've been watching Sunrise lately. Yep. And it's all native ads. Yeah. It's what's a native? A native ad is an article that seems like news, but it's really just an ad for a product. Yeah. It's yep. called a native ad. It's an ad that you not you, you don't really recognise as an advertisement, but it's an ad. Literally every article you saw about COVID and like vaccines during the pandemic was a native ad because it's illegal to advertise pharmaceuticals in Australia. So every time you saw Koshi talking to someone who was like, oh, we've got, looks like we've got the third wave coming. So now's the really good time to get out and get your booster shot. That's a native ad. Yeah. They're just advertising a product. And and that's all those shows now. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to that. Let's go to that. Speaking of money. Yeah. So we do have some competition winners. We had a... From our limited reach, we did actually have a few responses. Uh, so, this is the top three 
in no particular order. And Alex, I because I received them, so I'm going to let you pick the winner. Okay. 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 Well, I said okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read them out. So for the the question again was what have you done for 150 weeks straight? Uh, the the most bum kissy of them was Michelle Dudek who said she's listened to the podcast for 150 weeks straight which is a lie because this is episode 150 so she's only listened to 149 straight episodes <laughs> thanks Michelle schnicker liar well uh, no she may have watched the car service video yeah that is true that is true yeah but we we dropped that midweek so it's still it's still only 149 weeks of content. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, the sec the other one we had well another one was uh, Nick Maudsley, who for the last 150 weeks straight has sent grossly inappropriate memes back and forth with Alex. That's true. I can I can confirm. <laughs> I can confirm. And the other one in the top three is Matt Winkley, who said for the last 150 weeks, he has watched Alex come into the gym to do conditioning work every Thursday. Oh, hang on a minute. He's never done that. I don't even know how to spell conditioning. I don't do it. I don't do it. So those are our top three. Now, so so all those guys, uh, all those, all those, they're all winners, really. They're all winners. Yes, true. Yep. And... I'm going to pay them all 150 Satoshis each. Hell yeah. Now, I think... let's. I, I haven't done a conversion. Uh, oh, I are, you saying, I, are you saying that we put this prize up and you haven't even checked how much it's going to cost you? I... I That's how much we care I, about the listeners here at the I'm, VK Bros. I'm just balling out of my brain. So I, <laughs> I just went... I just picked a number. I thought one, 150, 150 sats... The Celebrate 150 episodes. And I'll pull it up here. I'll show it on the screen. Drum roll, please. This is what the three of you are going to get. Five and a half cents. Congratulations. Now, stick around. Stick around to, like, episode 1500. And it will be 1500 stats. Yeah. Stick around to... I did also see another thing this week about how BlackRock has been heavily investing in Bitcoin this week. So yeah, the actual a lie. So the value of those sats may greatly increase by the time we get to episode number fifteen hundred. Well, okay, here's an interesting Bitcoin stat for you. Hmm. Satoshi Nakamoto has almost one million Bitcoin in his wallet. So it's yep. just under nine hundred and eighty thousand Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. He has not touched them. It's believed that he is dead. Mm-hmm. Now, there's only going to be 21 million ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Take away 1 million for, uh, for Satoshis. Mm-hmm. Take away however many that have been lost. In the future, you might be saying, hey, this competition that I won bought me a car. Well, just, just, th- just think about Pizzagate. Right, yeah, Bitcoin, yeah, Bitcoin yeah, pizza day. Like, how much were were the how much Bitcoin did he pay for two pizzas back in the day? He paid ten thousand Bitcoin for two pizzas. Right, and uh, what's Bitcoin worth today? It's about forty thousand Australian, right? Thirty five thousand Australian dollars. Yeah, so thirty five grand 
times 10,000 is now what those two pizzas cost him. So just stick around till episode number 1500 and, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you might be doing very well for yourself. Now, those three, those three, send me your lightning address uh, and I will send that, uh, send those stats through. Yeah, so just text di- me those lightning address or yeah, send it to Jason. Message it uh, through and- to the social media platforms. Don't comment it anywhere. Just uh, send it through yeah. as like a direct message and we'll get yeah. onto that. Okay, let's let's move on because the next thing we wanted to speak to you about was Andrew Tate's interview this week on the PBD podcast. Um, I do like it's very very long. I do suggest I've listening. I've still got an hour to go. Yeah, okay. I do suggest listening to it uh, in full if you if you get the time at all because he does discuss some very interesting concepts. But there was two. Can I say that- something first? Can I, I want to say something first. Yeah, sure. We we have joked. With, there's been particular people in, within our network, as in yours and mine, who have said stuff in the days like prior. If you listen to Andrew Tate, then fuck you. Yeah. Right. And we had joked about it by saying like the quality of these people, these friends of ours, <laughs> this message is not for you. Yeah. And what? If you don't know who Andrew Tate is, he's kind of broken the internet. Mm-hmm. Very bombastic, you know, multi-multi-millionaire. You know, he claims to be worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. He's a kickbox world, a kickboxing world champion. Uh, he goes on. He, he's he he has this uh, extreme take on relationships and how a man should be dominant. Rah rah. That's. The, the if you see the clips, the clips are all chopped up to make him look like an absolute misogynist. Yeah. Uh, he has he went to jail. He's he's been in jail in a Romanian prison for four months. I think it was four months. Still currently and, on house arrest. Yeah, house arrest in Romania. And uh, whilst it whilst it's all pending, he has not formally been charged with anything. Yeah, the way that Romanian law works is they can literally lock you up on suspicion of a crime for 30 days at a time and then they can do an investigation after the fact and during that 30 days that they lock you up if they find one more bit of new evidence for example they can then use that to lock you up for an additional 30 days up to a total of 180 days so i believe that they've been locked up for about yeah it's about four or five months for of six months total uh, that that they can be locked up for, and no charges have been formally uh, made at this point in time. So, it did it did appear to be a uh, just a clear attack from the Matrix, as he would put it, to pull him out of the uh, the information space and lock him up for as long as they possibly can. Do you want to give some background to the clips, or should I just play them? Yeah, I do. I do. So, th- there's two clips in particular that I wanted to play because I think that they're very relevant to the the themes that we've been speaking about. So, one of the themes that we speak about a lot is is the media being used as the control mechanism for governments and giant corporations to. Uh, mislead and persuade people into going along with their agendas and it works in the same ways every single time and yet people fall for it every single time and one of the things that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on on the show was that concept of um our remember how i brought up the the laws do a really good job at punishing and removing 
uh, destructive masculine behaviors, but they yeah. don't do a good job at removing destructive feminine behaviors, i.e. Um, character assassination. And so at the near the beginning of this podcast, so there's two stories that uh, that PBD brings up because it's very interesting how the BBC covered both of these stories and they were both interviews and he's, it's very interesting the first question asked in both of those interviews. So I can't remember if he gives the context. well a little bit, a little bit of a backing. Uh, the BBC, BBC was the first per, the first organisation to get an interview with him since since he was out of prison. Yeah, and he he was uh, effectively set up. He was told that it was going to be a a particular thing, and it yep. turned out to be something completely different. They sent him right. a li- like because he didn't want to do it, and they because he thought that it would be a hit job. And I said, no, no, it wouldn't be a hit piece. They sent him a list of questions before the fact, and then on the day that he agreed to the interview, those questions got thrown out the window, and they basically attacked him straight away. But to put in context, um, so the BBC is obviously the British Broadcasting Corporation, so it's a government-funded. Uh, it's the largest media company in in the UK, and it's actually um, it's funded by the taxpayer. The taxpayers actually have to pay something like 150 pounds a year. And it's a TV you, fee, yeah, 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 yeah. And you can go to prison if you don't pay that. Like it's it's yeah. very bit very big deal over there. And what's so fascinating about this is also how recently the BBC has created their new misinformation panel or whatever they called it, uh, which which apparently is going to fact check everything and blah blah blah. But, so the, the two interviews that happen, obviously Andrew Tate's one of the interviews, and the other interview is a guy called Philip Schofield. And again, I can't remember if they, if they 100% speak about Schofield, uh, the context of it here, but to give a brief backstory on the Philip Schofield story. Philip Schofield was one of the most famous media personalities in the UK. He basically he was... He was a Koshy. Yeah, he was Koshy. the lead anchor of one of their morning shows. And he has recently... Uh, lost his job because he has been found, essentially found guilty of grooming a young man who he met as like a 12 or 13 year old, got him a job on his show and then had a sexual relationship with him that the man claimed started when he was 19. There is, uh, there is potential evidence that it may have happened far before that, uh, before the gentleman was legal. And to add additional context to it, uh, Philip Schofield's brother is actually currently in jail, charged with multiple charges of pedophilia. So what Andrew Tate talks about here and what PBD brings in is how the BBC, the first question asked in both of these interviews, in the Andrew Tate interview and then the Philip Schofield interview, and how those Watch questions differently frame the conversations. So let's just play it now. You see an interview with uh, Musk, right? And he goes up and the guy opens up the question with, why'd you agree to do this interview? He says, well, I don't know. What's the name of the BBC? And he's trying to mock them and all this stuff. And there's a part of it where, you know, he calls them out for the mistakes they made. And if you go to the bottom of the interview on BBC, you'll see comment section saying, why'd you cut that out? Because Musk puts it on Twitter, but they didn't put it in the interview. Then you watch the interview with the uh, 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 with you, the first question they ask you was, uh, uh, "What's the first question?" Hey, you you've been accused of serious uh, crime, rape, or something like. I don't know that uh, uh, you know right off the bat that question of you, 
And then you see the interview, Lucy Williamson, I believe her first question was, you're facing some very serious allegations. Have you raped anybody? That's the open question that they ask you. And the video they put up, the first one, they take it down. The second video they put up, that's 12 minutes, like the highlight one, they turn, uh, the comment section is open. There's 80,000 plus comments there. Then you look at Philip Schofield. Yeah. You just brought up Philip Schofield. For people that don't know who Philip Schofield, do you mind explaining? So just to put a bit of backing on this too, if, if you want to do a bit of a deep dive, the uh, Tate actually recorded the meeting, the, the interview, without the BBC knowing yeah. because he knew it was a hit job. So he, he made sure that he took his precautions and then he put the whole thing up so you can watch the whole thing yeah. unedited and then you can see the BBC version just mm-hmm. to really see how gross it is, which is a very, very smart play. Yeah. I don't know why YouTube is just absolutely... It's because Shit, it man. knows we're using this for Rumble. It's protesting. Oh, yeah, he was a TV presenter in England. He was very famous. He ran the morning show. And he was grooming children for a very long time. And all the staff knew about it. And the people who worked on the show with them were being groomed by him. And everybody knew. And it was all a big ha-ha joke. And now he's come out saying, oh, please don't pick on me. I feel sad. And the media is saying, I'll leave the guy alone. He, he, he is, uh, when you go look up his Wikipedia, it says... That that was that's basically just, the story. Just, no, go, to, go to the twenty eighth minute because I want I want to hear the question, the first question that she asked Philip Schofield. Oh, it's not she; it's it's a guy, and it's about the twenty eighth minute that it happens. Yeah, two daughters, but there's a part of it where Matthew calls his wife and says, "Hey, yeah. your husband and I had an affair together." When I was 19 the first time and 20 and all, yeah. nobody knows if it was before or not. The interesting thing about him is his brother, Timothy Schofield, I don't know if you know about his brother. Oh, what, the one who's in jail for being a pedophile? Was convicted of 11 sexual offenses involving a child between October 2016 and 2019, including two sexual activity with a child. Here's how the interview started. First question, the guy asked him. He says, you've had quite a week. How are you? So you can stop it there. So this is this is what exactly what we're talking about. This is how the media manipulates you by framing an interview in a certain way. So to provide the context, like they said, Philip Schofield, it's been proven that he has been grooming children, uh, young boys, and having sexual relationships with them. Proven. His brother is a convicted pedophile already serving time. Andrew Tate, on the other hand, has been... Uh, accused of crimes is currently in prison being investigated but no charges have been laid because and this is after being in prison for four months so you would think after four months they would have actually found any proof at all to lay at least a charge but they haven't so the man that has not had any charges laid the interview begins by framing him in a way where she says so you've been accused of some serious allegations have you raped anybody that's the way that you ask the innocent man a question at the beginning of the interview but the guy who's been proven guilty they start out by saying you've had a big week how are you they go with the empathy with that guy so the bbc clearly wants you to think that andrew tate is the enemy and he's a giant uh, he's a criminal 
and they want you to think that philip schofield is a poor closeted gay man who is only being um he's only in the media because uh, he's a homosexual and people are bigots that's the way they have framed it but one of these people is a proven criminal and one is not all right, I flicked forward to that minute 20 that you've got marked. Yeah, this is another thing that I that I wanted to play because I found this very, very interesting because this very closely relates to what we experienced during COVID. So before you start it, because one of the things that you wanted to talk about beforehand, just to give a bit of context, Andrew Tate often speaks about The Matrix. And if any of you have actually seen the movie, um, you'll know the terminology that I'm speaking about. But if for any of you that haven't seen the movie, it might be a little bit confusing. But essentially, what he describes as the Matrix is the society that we live in. And in the movies, essentially, you were in this pod that uh, machines were using to extract your body heat to use as an energy source while they funneled nice pictures into your head of what you thought your life actually was um, so they could basically use you as a resource while you thought the world was something that it wasn't. That's essentially what we... It's a metaphor for the real world because all of us being little worker bees, maybe we're not being in, in a pod being having the uh, our body heat sucked out of us for energy, but we are the cogs in the economy that keep everything moving. Our labour keeps things moving, which then obviously funnels the energy source, which is money through to the robots, the elites at the top. But one of the interesting parts about The Matrix was the agents. So the agents were computer programs that were designed to uh, pull beat people back into The Matrix if they had woken up, so to speak. So if they waking up is if you see the world for what it actually is, if you see the manipulations, if you see the control mechanisms. And the, the agents were designed to take those people out of... Uh, the matrix so they couldn't wake up anybody else and one of the, the the concepts that he speaks about was that anyone who does not have an open enough mind can become one of these agents and can actually uh essentially no, morpheus says it morpheus yeah, right. says it in the movie that uh, that uh, a uh, like a non-seeing mind can be taken by the agents and in the movie what happens is any of like the NPCs, the non-playing characters, mm. their bodies can be taken by an agent. So if yeah. an agent wants to get closer to you, they can just they can just morph into the mind and body of someone who's ba- basically a non-playing character in the Matrix. That's right. So so basically, it means that it became far harder for you know people like Neo to hide per se because these agents could literally just take over the body of anyone that was close to them so they could p- pursue these people and that's largely what we saw during covid when you saw people uh tipping off authorities because He's, well hold on he said it in a he said it in a great way he said if you don't think agents are real put yourself back in 2021 or 2022 go to a barbecue have a great time with people and then ask uh, then then tell people that you're not vaccinated and yeah. see them turn into agents yeah yeah exactly and and the people who called the police when someone was having too many people over in their backyard or when someone was out uh you know having Rebel. their second hour of exercise when they're only allowed one those were the agents and yeah. this particular clip here explains a little bit of why that happened uh based on an experiment so so just play this clip now and we'll discuss it afterwards they'll upset you they give you 99 back we're good again don't worry 
And, and the grandchildren of the people in charge of the world get what they want in the end. They think generationally. So now we're at the beginning of it, it's all a big joke, right? But especially before Elon had Twitter, when you couldn't say the truth online, when you couldn't say my eyes see X on the internet without going to jail or losing your account, or getting a hate speech charge in the UK or some garbage, they're controlling what you think. And on a long enough time frame, what you think becomes true. If two, we all believe two plus two is four. With a hard enough psyop, if you can't say that, if you have to say it's five, on a long enough time frame, math breaks down and everyone's just gonna believe that two plus two equals five. Uh, just on that point, mm -hmm. I went to a comedy show on Saturday night when saw Mark Normand. Yeah. Hilarious, right? But there was a comedian that went on before him quite a controversial, like he, he wanted to talk about the hot topics and he was mm -hmm. trying to get some interaction from the crowd and he was asking the questions, like the taboo questions. Right. And I think back like five years ago, people were screaming out all that stuff. Like, at, at, like you know, talk about this, talk about this, yeah, talk about yeah. this. No one said anything, which is exactly what he's talking about. That have made it taboo. It's worked. They've been able to say that if you think that way, you're a bad person. Yeah, and just on that note too, I was telling you during the week, uh, an Australian comedian, Isaac Butterfield, recently after a comedy show in Perth was dragged in front of, uh, it was the um, commission, the Human Rights Commission because not even a an audience member, but he cut up some of the clips from his show and put them on TikTok. Someone saw one of his uh, bits on TikTok and complained because they were so offended by it that he literally so one person being upset about a comedian saying a joke was enough to get him pulled in front of the human rights commission this is in australia it happened in april he had to go to the commission he's actually got a video on youtube about it so anyway conti How continue the clip we're gonna get there have you ever seen the experiment there's a really interesting experiment with monkeys and a banana and a water spout have you ever seen this they put five monkeys in a, in a room. And at the top of the room, there was a banana. And when one monkey tried to climb up to get the banana, they turn on the hose and splash all the monkeys with ice cold water. So the monkey would come back down and wouldn't get the banana. And when another monkey would go to climb up, they'd splash all the monkeys with ice cold water. And what would happen over time is the monkey went to climb the rope to get the banana. The other monkeys would jump and pull them down and hit it and teach them a lesson. Don't go for that banana. If you go for that banana, we get splashed with water. Mm -hmm. Then they'd swap one of the monkeys out. Now there's a new monkey in the room, doesn't know the game. The new monkey would attempt to climb and all four monkeys would attack the monkey, pull him back down and kick his ass. He knows if he climbs the rope to get the banana, he gets attacked. He doesn't know he gets splashed with water if he, doesn't, if he gets the banana. He doesn't know the game, but he knows if I try and climb, they're gonna attack me. After a certain amount of weeks, they change another monkey and another monkey, another monkey. Over time, you have five brand new monkeys who have never been splashed with water ever. But nobody goes to climb the rope because if they do, they're attacked by all the other monkeys. And nobody even knows why. Damn. So that's just how it works. If you climb that rope. So don't you find that fascinating? Because apply that mentality to COVID. So our experience during COVID was very, we very much mirrored the monkey trying to climb the rope to get the banana. So the banana for me, I engaged in a lot of public debates about COVID during COVID because I wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on. Uh, we've spoken about it many times. Uh, my first son was born on the first day that the first case was at the Gold Coast University Hospital. So I, being a concerned parent trying to f f navigate my way through a pandemic, I wanted to find the truth. I wanted to know what was going on. 
and I got so much backlash from my network because I was questioning the official narrative on COVID. So much. And as anyone else who questioned the official narrative, look, we weren't right about everything, but we're right about a lot. And the things that we were, we're right, right about... about the major stuff. Yeah. And the things that we were right about, like... If you if you go back and you really you reanalyze the whole pandemic, if you did the opposite of what the government told you to do, you would have had a better outcome. Because the government told you to stay inside. Now, we know that vitamin D is really important for respiratory viruses, and also respiratory viruses spread much easier indoors. There was no outdoor transmission of COVID, right? Uh, the government told you to get vaccines and get boosters. And then you find out after the fact that from your third booster, you get a 20% uplift in your IgG4 immunoglobulin cells, which actually um, help your body accept COVID and stop attacking yeah. COVID, which makes it easier for you to get infected. So, so these are just examples of if you did the opposite of what the government told you to do, you would have had better outcomes. And yet you... like. To question that was to try to grab that monkey and you uh, that that banana and you had all the other programmed agent monkeys jumping on top yep. of you if they spoke to you at all. A lot of them would just cut you out of their network completely. But mm. that's how it works, guys. So those two examples, the media framing certain people in certain ways. Last week's episode, we said, beware of media darlings. Like... Philip Schofield is a media darling. That's what he's in the club. Andrew Tate talks about it. That's why he's being protected. Andrew Tate ain't a media darling. That's why the media is trying to demonize him. Because the med the, the machine doesn't want people to listen to an Andrew Tate. Because what Andrew Tate's trying to do is to tell young men to increase the standards in your life to become a higher level man. So he's trying to tell people: go to the gym, make money. Set high standards for yourself. So a lot of things that come across as... Be absolutely as, accountable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but like our machine doesn't want men to do that because strong, uh, accountable alpha males, well, they question things. And usually if you tell them to do something, they're the most likely to say, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. They don't want mm. people to do that. Well, they just want people to do what they're told. So these are the lessons. Remember Scott Morrison? Remember Scott Scamo saying, yeah. look, we've got most of the sheep through the gate. We just need a couple of those sheep. We just need to get a couple of those sheep straight through. You know, he said that. Yeah. He said that out loud. Yeah, and remember that Scott Morrison in secret took over five different portfolios. He was literally running the country by himself during the pandemic. Like, I put up that graph during the week. And on the on the X axis is that the X the the up and down one? Yes. Sorry, that's the Y axis. So on the Y axis, it says it has trust in government, and on the X axis, it has knowledge of history. And there's a line that's very it starts very high up on the Y axis, and as your knowledge of history increases, your trust in government decreases down to zero. That's where you need to be. But that's I tell why... any young person. Any young person, don't put any faith in any government, any system in place. Have 
your shit sorted yourself. You yep. need to sort everything yourself because then you cannot be disappointed. If you put any faith in the system, the system will fail you. That's right. And we, we're seeing that now. Like, I do not think it's a coincidence, and this is going to sound far more conspiratorial, but I do not think it's a coincidence at all that we are experiencing such harsh cost of living increases month in month out like most well a lot of economists say that the inflation that is caused uh, that that we are experiencing has been caused by government overspending and supply side issues which would have alleviated themselves over time and yet we are pretending still that household expenditure is a sole driver of inflation it's not uh, there was a report that came out, I think we spoke about it last week, that of the um, of the roughly 4% inflation above the Reserve Bank's inflation target, so 2 to 3% is their target, it's currently sitting at about 7%. So of that 4% additional inflation, 69% of that is in corporate profiteering. And I've got an example of it. There's little yogurt pouches I buy the boys. And like, I mean, I've only had the kids for three years and nate's only been eating yogurt pouches for probably two years so two years ago i started I, we buy his favorite yogurt pouches and they're about a dollar fifty two years ago and now in coles they're two dollars forty that's almost double but i can give you a better example. but hold on but if you go to aldi they're a dollar sixty and then i was like oh well obviously coles is just price gouging everyone so i've been buying them from aldi and then what's happened is that you, I then went back into Coles and look, oh, they're on special. They're back down at $1.60. So that's not inflation. That is just using inflation as an excuse to price couch. Uh, um, fuel. Fuel, everyone's still paying $2 a litre. Yep. The barrel is $67. Yeah. And the, what did it, it we got were, up to about we're, 128 we're, or something? At $120, we're paying just over $2. Yeah. So this is the thing, so, guys. That's a gap. Now I can tell you another thing. Yeah. New cars. I got word from a manufacturer that I will not name. They are making $6,000 per new car. Now to put that in perspective, there's a saying in the car trade. The saying has been around forever, which is new for the show, used for the dough. Yeah. Which means you would make a loss on a new car to try and get trade-ins, finance, and you would make your money out of the used car, the sale of a used car. Yeah, They're making $6,000 on a new car. Mm -hmm. Now, I was talking to one of them today. Well, now, in 2019, when I was running a, a Volkswagen dealership, the industry benchmark for new car sales was they were happy if you lost $500 a car. Yeah. If you lost $500 for a new car, you've done a good job. Mm -hmm. That same, the, what the, the, the guy that told me about the 6000 is buying a car that currently retails brand new for fifty five grand, but there's a weight on them. Mm -hmm. Buying them secondhand off price gouges, like people that have bought them just to flip them. Yep. Paying them an earn and they're getting $75,000 for them as yeah. used cars now this is what i want to say to you jason because you know we talk about how um people are feeling it people aren't feeling it if they're paying seventy five thousand dollars for a fifty five thousand dollar car that's insanity 
that is absolutely inflationary insanity. Yeah, and, but and until that and that conversation I had was today. Yeah, of course. And I'm not surprised you're having that conversation today because it's June. So for end of financial year, I can see how someone's accountants come out and gone, you need to buy that car, you need to buy it now, and you can't wait six months to order one and have it come in, go and spend the overs. I can see how people would do that. And I know we've had this conversation before and, and we can continue to to d- disagree on on this being the, the most key metric of uh, consumer spending being inflationary. But to give another example, uh, Philip Lowe was questioned in estimates <laughs> this week and uh, was asked about price caps. So what's a price cap? A price cap is when you cap the price on a certain item or service due to cost of living pressures. And he said, no, I don't, I don't agree with price caps and, and that uh, price caps can potentially obviously alleviate some pain now, but um, it, it doesn't work long term and blah, 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 blah. So he doesn't believe in price capping on goods and services, which obviously if you price cap, that would decrease corporate profits. But he does change the value of money every month. So he's happy to adjust him personally, the value of money every month, but he's not happy to have price caps on the other side of it. I'm not happy with price caps either. I'm not either. The market... Here's my frustration. Maybe I haven't communicated my frustration. The buying habits have not changed Mm -hmm. because when the price goes up and when you made the example of the the yogurts were were too expensive and you found a better place to get them that's good thumbs up yep people you're not the standard that's not what people doing people are still paying they they need to move to alternatives because once they start moving to alternatives that inflated item now has to become uh, competitive in the market and the yep. price will come down. So so once people stop buying the stuff, that's what's going to drive prices down. Yeah, but people I, aren't stopping. I get that. But I, I don't think that the inflation is primarily being driven by consumer spending. It's government spending, dude. The inflation was created during COVID and justified during it's COVID. Both. Well... How much government spending has been cut? Zero. Look, look they at, have look to at cut spending country. too. I'm telling that. It, I know, it, but they're both. not. I'm telling they're you, it's not. both. No, but, no, no. But but this is the thing. When, I know. Like, but you've got a government coming out going, inflation, we need to get inflation in check. We need to get inflation in check. And yet they're continuing inflationary policy and relying solely on the Reserve Bank to try to fix inflation through interest rates. And what, what, what are the inflationary policies I'm talking about? Things like the raise in the minimum wage, which comes in on the 1st of July. That's an inflationary, inflationary. inflationary policy. Yep. Part of that argument that, um, that sort of kicked off on, on YouTube was when I, I criticized, obviously, the, um, the government expenditure and uh, how it's, it's just added to inflation. And this guy comments back and he's like, oh, yeah, um, as if, what were the three things he said? As if um, decreasing childcare costs uh, oh, I need to. I need to look it up. Well, I don't really. Well, it's all funny three, you say about that. All three things that he said that were government policies, Labor government policies. I'm like, mate, literally every single one of those things adds to inflation because it doesn't decrease the cost of those items. The government's just paying the the difference for it. 
So all that and happens, the money's going up anyway because the power power company's got a kick from the government too to try and bring the prices down. They up the prices anyway. Uh, uh, when the childcare won, same deal. Once the childcare uh, exactly. the, the government money came in, your yep. price went up. So I, I'm, I agree with you, Jason. I know it's it's absolutely government, but I'm talking about things that you can do, like yeah, what yeah. you and I can do, and it's stop spending money. Please, the soon as you stop. The companies will have to become competitive. They're only gouging you because you're still buying. Yeah, that's right. If you stop buying, they will become competitive. Yeah, and become like me. Like, I'm going to become Origin Energy's worst nightmare over the next week. So do those Mm. things because they're all fucking you anyway. So you may as well have a go back. Um, Let's move to the last story because we have gone on a little bit longer. And I think this one's actually really, really important. So in Queensland... Uh, the Queensland Labor government has just passed a new gender bill. So this has uh, this story came out yesterday. Trans and gender diverse Queenslanders can now change birth certificate without sexual reassignment surgery. So this is being reported on ABC News. If you can scroll down a bit. Uh, trans and gender diverse Queenslanders will be able to change the gender on their birth certificates without having to undergo surgery in a development that advocates have called, in quotes, life-changing. Previously, yeah, yeah that, that, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. It will yeah, be life changing. Hundred percent. Yeah. Previously, yeah. people could only apply to change the sex on their birth certificates where they'd undergone sexual reassignment surgery, an invasive, costly procedure that isn't readily available. The new laws remove that provision and instead require people to supply a supporting statement from someone they've known for twelve months or longer. Twelve scrolling, months. Scrolling down. Uh, they'll also allow people to formally change their name at the same time as an alteration of sex. Yemania Brown, a trans woman and a spokesperson for Equality Australia who campaigned for the changes, said the passing of laws was a life-changing development. In quotes, Queensland was one of the last places in Australia to have cruel and outdated legal barriers that deny many trans people ID that accurately reflects their gender, Ms Brown said. Attorney General Yvette Darth, so don't forget she just got promoted to Attorney General quite recently. Scroll up a little bit. You've cut me off. Uh, Attorney General Yvette Darth said in a statement that the law change brings Queensland more into line with the other Australian jurisdictions. Scroll back down. In quotes, This historic bill belongs to those in the LGBTIQA plus community. What's dis- IQA? Uh, What's I? Intersex. That's new, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, they're all new. Um, intersex, queer... Right. Or, it's either queer or questioning. Um, a is... Is it asexual? And plus... I don't fucking know. Uh, community, who despite facing the brunt of vitriol, discrimination and hate, have chosen to stand up and fight for legal recognition, she said. I want Queensland's rainbow community to know... Your lives matter, your stories matter, and your struggles matter, end quote. The laws allow parents or guardians of children under the age of 16 who want to change their sex on their birth certificate and who meet certain criteria to apply directly to the registry. Applications can also be made through the children's court. For children, the state government says an assessment by a, in quotes, developmentally informed practitioner who has an established professional relationship with them is required. The new laws also allow both a child's parents to be registered as either mother or father or simply as a parent on birth certificates. This is a quote I want you guys to pay particular attention to. So this is from Yvette Darth. In quotes, 
These laws also recognize same-sex and gender-diverse parents by acknowledging the undeniable reality that a child can have more than one mother and more than one father, Miss Darth said. So that's one of those control words they use, undeniable reality. The passing of the laws has been met with praise from advocacy groups, including Rainbow Families Queensland and Transcend Australia. In quotes, the changes to the act will allow all children to have the potential to lead productive lives, whilst maintaining the respect and dignity which comes with being recognised as their true identity, Jane Hopkins from the parents group P Flag Plus Queensland said. Under the new laws, it will no longer be necessary for a person to have a sex marker on their birth certificate. There will instead be an opt-in approach that requires a person to request that their birth certificate includes a reference to sex information. They also give people greater say over the gender descriptors used on ID documents, allowing them to nominate a descriptor of their choice. Education Minister Grace Grace told the House it's an important step for the state. As a very proud parent of a non-binary adult child, can I say that identity is very important, she said. So, what are your thoughts wow. on this, Alex? I, you know, we've been into this before. I thought this was just an American thing. They're going mental over it. Yep. It was just madness. It would pass. It's a phase. But it's absolutely here. It's absolutely here. They they are saying stuff that's categorically untrue. That that um, quote that Abed Darth said, that's mental. That's not real. That is neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. That is, well, that's exactly what Andrew Tate referred to when he said 2 plus 2 equals 5. You yeah. are being... This is... This is the last step in 1984, Orwell's 1984, when Big Brother requires you to not believe your lying eyes if your lying eyes are telling you something that's different to what Big Brother is telling you. Mm. So I, I just thought about this this uh, a, a little bit. And let's, let's pull the emotion out of it. One of the biggest factors... Uh, one one of the biggest problems I've had with all of these leftist policies is the what loopholes does this leave for nefarious people to do the wrong thing? I thought of one. I thought of one that you haven't thought of, which I like. Okay, you can go for it. Uh, this makes digital identity fucking useless <laughs> because you can change it. It's you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can Disagree. pose as anything you want. Disagree. Because that's not I- me. That's a guy. I'm not no, a no, guy. No, no, no. Because digital identity, you'll be a number. This is actually, I think this is actually even more about what digital identity is for. Because we've got all these other descriptors we have of people now that we can use to identify them. Well, with digital ID, you'll just be a number. You can be whatever you want to be, but you'll be number, blah, 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 blah. Here's my, my initial thoughts that I came out of it. Um, this will make it extremely difficult to track criminals. If you've got a criminal record, you can now, through a letter from someone who's known you for 12 months, go and legally change not only your sex, but your name. You can just go and change it. And then 12 months later, because don't forget, gender is fluid, you can change back to being a bloke with another new name. So if you say... I don't know, touched a kid, lost your blue card? Well, just go and, go and get a brand new name. I'm sure that these government departments which do all the checks aren't that good at, or even aren't that interested 
in making sure they dot all the i's and cross all the t's when it comes to actually handing these things out yeah and i feel like what about police you know how do you describe a an assailant that's not how i identify (laughs) No, running down the street. Uh, we're in hot pursuit of a a a a what a what? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know. Uh, are they them? Um, here's one of my other thoughts too. So they use a lot of the like you know the rainbow family, the LGBTIQA plus community, but every single trans person uh, believes and claims that they are in fact a man or they are in fact a woman. So why are you still part of the rainbow LGBTIQA plus alphabet? Let's just call it the rainbow alphabet. Why are you part of the rainbow alphabet if you honestly claim to be the sex that you are claiming to be? That would mean well, that you would... some of them don't, though. What do you mean? Some of them don't prescribe to any of them. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it because it's it, there's no right answer. That everything you say is wrong. Uh, but that's you, the thing. We, that's you, why you, you have to have be... these conversations. No, no. But I guess the point I'm trying to put across is it doesn't matter what you say. You're wrong. It doesn't yes. matter how progressive you are. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard that the G's are going to get kicked out of the LGBTQI uh, uh, plus, right? Because yep. they probably had it too good. No matter how, if the, 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 no matter how pro you are for it, you're not pro enough. You're wrong. It's well, wrong. That, and that's, and that's always inherently the problem with progressivism. That's why I put that post up the other day, which was about the only way that a democracy moves forward is with a constant tension between uh, conservatism and progressivism, because you need both. The progressives move you forward and move you past some of the uh, ickier parts of your society. The conservatives pull you up when you've gone too far. And, but the problem with, uh, with progressivism is you will eventually progress too far. And you do need to admit yeah. when you have made an error and you should probably start pulling some stuff back. This, this bill, it, like, this literally turns you into that, that sort of clown world that a lot of the red pillars want to refer to. But the biggest concern I have on all this stuff is, in my opinion... This stuff is all extremely nefarious because it is all designed to have children lose touch with reality. Yeah. Because what what are kids going to ground themselves to? Like, I've got two young children, right? And Nate can speak. And Nate tells me who's a boy and who's a girl. Just off his bat. He just knows. He just knows. And he gets it right every time. That's a boy. That's a girl. Hey, daddy, you're a boy. Mummy's a girl. He knows those things. I haven't drummed it into him. He just inherently knows. And now, the more prevalent this becomes, the more conversations are are, are going to be confusing because he'll see someone who he identifies as a man who claims that they're a woman. And everyone around him says that that guy, that person who looks like a man, is in fact a woman. So then what are you grounded to? You're like, you'll be in a constant mental argument with yourself going, well, I, I can't even believe my lying eyes because my eyes are telling me that that's a man, but everyone in my world around is telling me that's a woman. And that's exactly what we experienced during COVID. When with all these arguments we got in online, one of the biggest talking points that I had early on was the data was showing, this was before vaccinations came out, 
the data was showing the average age of death was 81 years old. It still is when it comes to dying from COVID. And I was saying that to people, but they were like, no, 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 no. That's not the stats. That's not the stats because the TV wasn't telling me that. I'm like, okay, but actually go on, look at the reports, look at the numbers. This is what the numbers say. No, 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 that's not it. Everyone's dying. And then what did the TV do? Whenever a 35-year-old person who was probably morbidly obese uh, died of COVID, that's the story they ran all day, every day. 35-year-old, no underlying health conditions, died of COVID to scare the shit out of everyone because they don't want you to believe your lying eyes. When you look around, you go, every single person I know got COVID and I don't know anyone personally who died from it. But no, no, don't believe your lying eyes. Everyone's dying. That's what this gender stuff does. It confuses children. You can even see it in people's own eyes when you hit them with truth. That's right. And they blank because Mm -hmm. they cannot respond. Their instinct is to just know that you're wrong, but they can't say why because they've got no data. The feeling is there. They feel that you're wrong. They just can't tell you why. Yeah, which is why the media then demonized anyone who questioned it. So they they feel that you are wrong, and then the only reference point they've got is when the news says anyone who's, who disagrees with this is a right-wing, Nazi, extremist, domestic terrorist, yeah. all, of, all of the naughty words. So they, they, they have the feeling that you're wrong because it goes against their programming. They don't really understand why, but they associate your, your thoughts and your disagreement with you being a bad person. And then that's enough for them to move on with their day. Absolutely, yep. So this is... This is well, you know what? I thought to, to celebrate the changing of uh, this bill, uh, and maybe because if things are moving really far, we might need to get some like BlackRock style esg points uh maybe i should record a new opening to the show so let's 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 just record a new opening to the show and i might just cut up and stick at the start uh what do i want to say what's up comrade they thems welcome to episode number 150 of the vk hose with me jacinda von cannell pronouns she her and my rainbow sister Alexis, pronouns meow and meow self. She it. (laughs) And on that note, let's leave it there. Keep your brain switched on, guys, and we'll see you next week. See you later.